Amen. Aren't you thankful uh, for your family this morning? You know, I, I think, you know, and, we, and I've already said this, but, you know, we, everybody needs three homes. We have our earthly homes, and uh, we've got a church home, right? And then we've got a heavenly home. Certainly, we all, we all need three homes. And I pray that God would bless our homes and use them for His glory. But if you have your Bibles, please turn with me this morning to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 2, as we come again to the Word of God, our prayer is that God would provide our homes with hope, that they might set their hope in God, right? Consider all the things that God has done, and and may the Lord encourage our hearts to to live and serve Him uh, in our families. You realize that, you know, the church is important, isn't it? Church is important. Uh, We cannot uh, separate the need to attend church You know, Christ died to purchase the church. Therefore, you and I should love it and make it a prominent uh, figure in our homes. But the Lord loves our homes. Our homes are the first institution that God established uh, in the Word of God. For instance, in Genesis chapter uh, number 2, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter number 1, in verse uh, number 26, just... A page before, the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his, Im- in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And we're thankful that God created us. We, we are created, we resemble God in the fact that we are spirit, soul, and body. God is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We do not uh, look identical to the Lord, but we resemble Him. Uh, and God gave us dominion uh, that we are to, 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 to take advantage of and, and fulfill here uh, in our lives. But as we come to Genesis chapter number 2, we find an excerpt, if you would, or more detail, I should say, concerning the verses there in Genesis chapter 1, verses 21, and uh, I'm sorry, verses 26, 27, and 28. In verse 28 of chapter 1, we find, uh, and God blessed them, and, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Really, God established the families. God be fruitful and multiply. There's the home. Go have children, right? And, and uh, as we live today, we understand the great need. It is to, to train up a child in the way he should go. For when he's old, he will not depart from it. We're thankful for the promises of God and His Word. It does not mean that our, our families will be without any trouble. I wish that were not the case. I wish our families would just be uh, free uh, to sail easy and to live easy without any hiccups, any complication, uh, without any uh, opposition from the world, but that's just not the case, is it? Uh, the Bible says that, that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The, the truth of the matter is, we live in a sin-cursed world, don't we? And there are so many things that, that fight against our homes, uh, that, that battle God's plan for our families. And I don't want to be discouraged, and I've made my fair share of mistakes. I stand before you this morning as an imperfect person. 
But by God's grace, He can take uh, what we have as we yield it to Him and use it for His glory. He can make a home. God can make a home. And I prayed that that would be the case this morning. But the Lord would further strengthen our homes and help us. In just a moment, we're going to read here in chapter 2. But I want to encourage you again this morning to please make a commitment, not to me, not to the person sitting next to you, uh, but a commitment to the Lord, and that you be back tonight. And uh, we don't want to miss anything that God has for us. While this morning we, we deal specifically with, with the husband and father's place in the home, this evening we're going to deal with the wife's place in the home. And just because we're talking to a specific group of people does not mean that all of us cannot be helped. And so uh, I've already seen... Uh, some wives out there, I've mentioned I'm preaching to the husbands this morning, I've seen them take out their elbow sharpeners, you know, and they're getting ready, right? Husband, you better pay attention, right? And uh, I, was, I was helped yesterday, we had our men's, our faithful men's Bible study uh, here at the church, and sometimes we become so focused on the sins of others that we don't see the sin of our own hearts and lives. And may God help us not be concerned about anyone other than ourselves today. Because the truth of the matter is, you know what? It's only the Lord that can change a heart. And so often we're concerned with God changing the heart of somebody else when God just needs to change our hearts. And Paul, or I'm sorry, King David prayed in Psalm 51. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. And uh, may God help us this this day uh, find hope for our homes. If you're able, I invite you to stand with me today as we read together a portion of Scripture in Genesis chapter number 2. I know we've been in Genesis quite often this month. I think every week we've referenced Genesis. We've done so because this is God's original intent. You know, we, we are living, as I mentioned, in a sin-cursed world. And we've made our homes, we've made our marriages something that God never intended them to be. But we find God's original intent. And this is where we ought to strive uh, to abide in God's original intent. Notice what the Word of God says, beginning in verse number 21 of Genesis chapter number 2. The Bible says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, our prayer is that you would help us. Lord, we cannot do this apart from you. Uh, Help us not attempt to do so. Lord, we pray, Lord, in these moments that you would would, would help our hearts, that you would speak to us individually and specifically today. Uh, Lord, that uh, there would be, uh, though there will be some general truth revealed this morning from the Word of God, I pray, God, that you would use it specifically in all of our hearts Lord, to help us become more like Jesus Christ. Lord, that's the goal 
Uh, my, our goal should not be to have a home like our neighbor has, a home like our friends have or other acquaintances have, but Lord, a home that is patterned after the Word of God. And Lord, we yield our hearts to you this morning and we pray that your will would be done. And Father, of course, if there's anyone here that today who does not know Christ as their Savior, Lord, our prayer is that today would be the day of their salvation. But Lord, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So Lord, we pray that you would help us today to see what your blueprints are, Lord, and, and strive to live according to your plan. Lord, we love you. We give you glory for all you've done already this day. We pray that you would continue your work now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And as you're seated, of course, if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Word of God says in Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 24. We find a command given to the man. It says, therefore shall a man... Would you mark that statement for me this morning? Right there in your Bibles, it says, Therefore shall a man. That, and whenever, as, as we always often say, anytime we read the word therefore in God's word, it's important that we look back uh, in the previous verses to see why God placed it therefore, right? And so we understand everything stems from chapters 1 and the verses there in chapter 2 concerning God establishing the home. God instituted the home. He created man in his own image, in his own likeness. And uh, the Bible says in verse, let's see, um, in Genesis chapter uh, in Genesis chapter 2, I'm looking here, I, I misplaced my notes here. It says, the Lord God, in chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. God gave the man responsibility. He gave the man, he gave the man a job to do. He, there was work to be done. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And, and with this with this job, this, this work that God gave the man, he placed limitations on the man. And we've talked at length about this over in recent days, that the limitations that God has placed on our lives are not for our detriment, but for our benefit. And uh, certainly as we consider the Word of God, I, my prayer of my own heart and life is that God would help me live within the pattern and and the borders, the limits that God's Word has established. And of course we see uh, God was well intended when He told Adam that he shouldn't eat of the tree. See, there was, there was a problem here. If he disobeyed God's command, He said, you know what, you can have all of this, Adam, except for this. You can eat of all of the fruit of all of these trees except for the fruit of this tree. But if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. There's limitations there. You know, sometimes you think that the limitations that God places on our life, that God's doing so out of a mean spirit, right? That God is doing so unlovingly. You know, if, 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 and sometimes even children, right? 
How many of you, as, as young people, thought, well, if my mom and dad truly loved me or really cared about me, they would allow me to do such and such a thing? Right? You know, as parents, we put limits on our children. Why? We do it because we love them and we want what's best for them. No kids go out play in the, go play right in the middle lane on I-70, right? You're perfectly safe. That'd be foolish, right? Likewise, God places limitations on us. And within the borders and bounds of God's word, we find great liberty. We find great freedom. We find help. But God created Adam and Eve. And it was there in that, in that garden setting, that Garden of Eden, that God brought them together in marriage. And God looks now to the man, because of everything that God has done, He says, therefore shall a man. Men, God has given us responsibility, hasn't He? You know, there's responsibilities to lead and care for our home. There's responsibilities that God has given us to provide for our homes. As Christian men, we ought to work hard, right? Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, right? It is good for man to work. It's good to provide for our homes. Paul says if we provide not for our homes, we're worse than an infidel or an unsaved person. You see, God has a plan for us. And as a Christian husband, as a Christian father, uh, I'm trying to raise four boys. I'm tired. We've got good boys. I'm thankful for my children. But I look at my family that God has given me. And I have a responsibility to get these boys ready. I now have a teenager in my home. Sarah and I were talking with someone yesterday. We she made the statement that my boys are now consuming five gallons of milk a week. Does anybody have a Holstein dairy cow that they're willing to sell? You know, I know we live in town, but we'll just go to some psychologist and have him write a prescription for a therapy cow, right? And we'll let him free graze in our backyard. But, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. But it's wild. But as I look at these boys, I, I, want, my, I want my boys to grow up to be godly men who understand the responsibilities that God has placed upon their shoulders, right? And and men, as we consider the the call of God upon our lives, there there are three simple lessons today that we must consider as Christian husbands and as Christian fathers. There's really three words, okay? I want you to write these down. Uh, I believe they'll be a great help to you. The first word that I want you to write down, we actually find right here in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, and verse number 24. The Bible says, Therefore shall a man, notice the first word, it's the word leave. You must leave. It says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. 
I know Adam and Eve, they did not have parents, right? God created them. But here we find the principle established that God, that, that we would often refer to as the leave and cleave principle, right? There can be no cleaving unless there's a leaving. But why does God want us to leave? Because it's not healthy to stay at home. That's why. God, God gave Adam his own home. And marriage, that marriage union is a home. Whether you have uh, just a couple, husband and a wife, or a husband and wife and children, you have a home. And God has given man the authority over his home. As we mentioned, I think it was last Sunday, that you know, as parents, we, and I can't imagine how hard it is. You know, we're not empty nesters by any means, of course. Our oldest is 13, our youngest is 6. We still have, uh, you know, quite some time, at least 12 years, Lord willing, longer, right? Uh, make sure that they, that they actually know what they're doing, mature enough spiritually uh, to, to go out and live on their own. And to be husbands that wives need, to be fathers that children need. But God gave Adam the authority of his home. And as parents, we should not treat our adult children as children anymore. We must allow them as hard as it must be to let them make decisions on their own. You know, we have 18 years with our children in modern culture, right? I personally don't believe, based on the authority of God's Word, that children are adults at age 18. I believe the Word of God sets the pattern for adulthood in the Word of God. You can't go to war, you know, all these things, but nevertheless, we must help our children learn to make decisions by allowing them to make decisions as foolish decisions as they may make and then take those opportunities to teach our children why it was the wrong decision to make as if they don't know, you know. But there's a great work to be done. But husbands, fathers, you must learn to leave. You must make the conscious decision to leave. As I was praying about this this week and meditating upon these scriptures, I'm just reminded of, of what God did for my wife and me. Of course, I grew up in a small farm town in Michigan. My wife grew up in a small farm town in, in West Virginia. We met in Knoxville, Tennessee in college, and uh, we began to... Uh, spend time together, and eventually we got married and lived in Knoxville, and we lived away from our parents. We, it was not hard to leave, but I'm very thankful that we did leave. And even a year after we were married, we moved out west. We lived on the west coast uh, for two or three years, and, and God helped us in, in that season to really learn to cleave to one another. I want you to write, I want you to write a term down. Uh, it's, uh, I want you to write down, let me think if I can say it, I've got it in my mind, an independent dependence. Independent dependence. That's what a husband and wife have. An independent dependence. It does not mean that we never call our parents uh, for advice. You know, I, 
Uh, we, never, we never lean on people for instruction. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. But there is an independence that we have as, as married couples. We're no longer under the authority of our parents. Though we still honor our father and our mother, we are no longer compelled to obey their every command. Because we have an independence. We are now, God has established another home unit, another family unit. And we learn in those moments of independence, early on in marriage, to depend on God and one another. Man, the Lord's brought us a long way. All the things we've depended on God for, it's incredible. I mentioned last week that there were times, and I've mentioned this over the course of our time here at this church, that God has provided for our needs in miraculous ways, unforeseen ways, amazing, phenomenal ways. You know, there were times, there were very lean years in our marriage, in our family, where it wouldn't appear that we had two nickels to rub together, you know. No food in the refrigerator, yet God would time and time and time again learn uh, or teach us to lean upon Him. Husbands, we must leave. We must leave. Because if we fail to leave, we will never learn, we will never in our marriage develop that oneness. Look there again in Genesis chapter number 2, in verse number 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave uh, unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. If we keep multiple parties in this, they'll never. The, you're, what you're doing is you're robbing yourself of the oneness that God has designed the home to be, the marriage to be. We've got to leave. Have you left? I'm not saying never go and spend time with your family. But it's probably not healthy to move back in with them. It's probably not healthy to live in their basement. We live in a society, I know there's lots of people, uh, it's just different dynamics today. I remember when I was in high school, my mom and dad, they sold their house, our house, that we lived in. And we're in the process of building a house. You know, it would have been so easy to just go and live with grandma and grandpa. I'm glad we didn't. Instead, they went out and they rented a, an apartment. And we lived in an apartment while they were uh, building their house. It was a long time in a small apartment. But do you realize there's value to not returning home? And I'm thankful over the years, my parents and, and my wife's parents, they've been a help to us. But we don't depend on them. We depend upon the Lord. And we depend on each other. We develop that relationship that's rooted and founded in the Word of God. 
the authority of Scripture. And God has wrought phenomenal things in our lives and in our family because we've learned to depend upon Him. Will you turn to the book of Psalms, please? Psalm 78. Psalm 78, our, our church's theme verse for this year. In Psalm number 78. Notice what the Word of God says in verse number 7. See, I don't want my hope to be in man. I want my hope to be in God. You know, a home is God-made. Psalm 127 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And if we don't leave... It would be a great impact on the health of our homes. In Psalm 78 and verse number 7, notice that they might set their hope in God and forget not the works of God, but keep His commandments. That they might set their hope in God. Christian, we must learn to depend and lean upon the Lord. And fathers, it's our responsibility as impossible as it may seem, to prepare our young, our young men, our boys, our sons, to leave. I heard a message preached years ago, as an eagle, so the Lord. The Lord builds. You know, he builds a nest. The Lord uh, broods. He makes that nest comfortable. Right? Home is home is home. The, the, the song the choir sings says, there is no place like home, so the song said long ago. Right? There's no place like home. Is there? There should be no place like your home. A home is not a house. A home is a family that depends upon the Lord. But as, as an eagle, so the Lord, he doesn't just build the nest and and brood the nest, he also breaks that nest. All that, that comfortable, soft feathers and, and material comprising the bottom of that nest, he gets rid of it. And he begins to break the sticks and the twigs and the branches that are woven and comprise the structure of the nest, and it becomes uncomfortable for those chicks to be in that nest. So much so that they want to leave. And eventually they, they spread their wings and they, and they take flight. But they don't know how to fly right away, do they? The Lord bears. He bears them on eagles' wings. Man, we must learn to leave and begin now training our, our young men, our sons, to do the same. But notice the second word I want you to write down this morning. It's the word love. It's the word love. And as you write that word down, I want, and I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles, to the, to the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. 
See, love, love is not some mushy, fuzzy feeling. Love is a commitment. Love is determining and fixing your heart. Men, we must learn to love, to truly love our wives. I want my children to see me kiss their mother. And I want them to think, oh, Dad, oh, come on, man. But I want them to know that I love their mother. Not just by how we treat one another affectionately, but how we serve one another in the home. Not just physical acts, but, but a continual demonstration of my heart's affection toward their mother. We must recognize that in marriage you have made a covenant with the, with the Lord. Turn to Malachi chapter 2 and notice what the Word of God says in verse number 14. In verse 14 of Malachi 2, it says, Ye say, where, wherefore? And God keeps pronouncing these indictments against the children of Israel because of their sin, how they had forsaken the laws of God, uh, the, the pattern of God. And they keep saying, wherefore have we done you wrong, God? How have, we, how have we done wrong? Tell us, where have we stepped out of line? And God says, Ye say, wherefore? Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy, what? Covenant. Marriage is a covenant. In our society, in our culture, we've made it nothing more than a contract to cohabitate with one another. But marriage is not so. Marriage is a covenant that the husband makes to the Lord and that the wife makes to the Lord. Marriage is not a, uh, for the Christian, again, it's not a contract. And though we may sign legal documentation, uh, arrangements that are recognized in a court of law, in the eyes of God, in the eyes of God, marriage is a covenant. We must realize that neither the husband nor the wife is perfect. My wife helped me understand something years ago. Husbands, you do well if you listen to your wives. She made the statement years ago. I think I've already said this from the pulpit. You know, husbands get married and they hope their wife never changes. Right? And wives get married hoping that they can change their husbands. May I say, stop it. Stop trying to change your spouse. Because your spouse, God did not design your spouse. Husbands, he did not make your wives. Wives, he did not make your husbands so that they will accommodate every whim of your heart. Our spouses were not designed by God to ever completely satisfy us. 
no person can ever satisfy you completely. The only one, the only one who can truly satisfy us is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord will meet every need that you have. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Yet God has established this marriage covenant. And as we understand this covenant, we find that it is our God-given responsibility to love our our wives. Turn to to, uh, to Ephesians, please. Ephesians chapter 5. I told you before that we were going to be here. But Ephesians chapter number 5. Again, we, we come to a very to a very pointed statement that the Lord makes concerning His bride, the church. In Ephesians chapter number 5, notice what the Word of God says beginning in verse number 25. The Bible says, Husbands, what? Love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. There's no excuse for you and me not to love our wives. Love them. Care for them. Make sure they know it. Treat your wife like she is a queen. Make sure she has what she needs. If it's in your power to do it, then do it. Make sure she, lo- you, she knows that you love her. Husbands, love your wives. Look at what the Bible says there again in verse 25. Even as Christ, even as Christ, remember, He's our example. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. I told our men this morning, and I, even yesterday, that you and I, we may never be able to love our wives, we will never be able to love our wives to the same extent that God loves us. But we can love them the same way. See, how can I love my wife the same way that God loves me? Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter number 13. In verse number 5, the Bible says there, let your conversation be without covetousness. You know, sometimes you think, well, so-and-so, their marriage is so much better than mine, or I wish that my husband would be like that guy. Stop it. Don't even go there. You're going to open a can of worms that you're going to regret. Cut it out. The Bible says, only let your conversation uh, be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. That, that spouse that is sitting next to you today, be thankful to God for them. Be content with such things as ye have. Notice what the Word of God says there. For he hath said, who hath said? The Lord hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Men, that's the same way we are to love our wives. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Unfortunately, there are some who have left. And I'm not talking so much about a physical leaving, a separation or a divorce, even though we understand that God, even from last week, designed marriage to be permanent. But we understand that God... That, that, that there's a great, 
it'll turn into, into great catastrophe for you if you leave your wife. Not just physically leaving, but mentally checking out. Emotionally checking out. You can go to work tomorrow, and you can sit in that break room if it's socially distanced allowed, or whatever it is, you know. We live in 2021, right? But that person, that coworker, she may flirt with you, and you might like it. God help you. God help you, sir. Don't even go there. Don't allow that. Don't permit that. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28, Jesus says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And don't go there. Don't leave your wife. Love your wife. Notice the last lesson this morning. The last word I want you to write down is the word lead. Lead. L-E-A-D. Men, lead. Turn back to Genesis, please. Genesis chapter number 3. We find something. Something changed. We look in Genesis, we find that uh, a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. But then, in the early verses of Genesis chapter 3, we find that something changed. What was it? What changed everything? was sin. Sin changed everything. And I'm a, ladies, I'm about to say some things that might make you upset, but I don't apologize. Okay? But you, you've got to let your husband lead. Look what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3. In verse number 16, he says, And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Uh, In sorrow uh, thou shalt bring forth children. And thy, notice there's a word, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, hold your place here. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. You say, Pastor, you're a sexist. No, I am not. Come back tonight and I'll prove you wrong. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse 3. Notice what the Bible says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. That the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. The head of the woman is the man. God placed this pattern upon our homes. Men, you are to lead because your wives desire something different. That word desire there back in Genesis chapter 3, look there again, Genesis 3.16, mark that word, and then we look ahead to Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, we find a, that same word used concerning Cain and Abel. And the Bible says in verse number 5 of Genesis 4, But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire. 
and thou shalt rule over him. You know what that word means, desire? Ladies, it's in you because of your sin nature to want to rule your home. It is your desire to rule the husband. But God says it's the husband's responsibility to rule the home. You've got to lead, men. And no offense to the ladies here this morning, but it's not your place. That does not mean that, that we don't talk about major decisions that will be made. Men, you are a fool if you don't consult your wife over, over major decisions. But ultimately, and, and we don't discount our wives' opinions. We don't discount their, the wisdom that God has given them. But you're to lead. You know what breaks my heart? I've seen it in recent days that, that men have allowed their wives to be the spiritual leaders of their home. Thinking of a couple people that I know firsthand, they left a solid Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church because the wife wanted to go to some contemporary mess. And I warned them, so that is to the detriment of your home. And they did it anyway because that's what honey wanted. It's wrong. Then God, God ordained you to be the spiritual leaders of your home. And wives, you've got to allow your husbands to lead. Don't nag them. Don't gripe at them. If you don't think they're doing it the way they ought to be doing it, it's not up to you. You're accountable to you. Your husband's accountable for himself and his family. But you've got to allow them to lead. And it might be awkward when no decision is made. And that's okay. Don't make a decision. Don't do it. Allow him to make the decision. Because that's God's pattern. But men, you've got to lead the home. We live in a day of role reversal. I wish I'd brought it. I forgot it in my office. I'll just see if I can remember exactly what this article said. There's an article in Reader's Digest from several years ago, there was a, uh, the article was about feminism. I don't believe that feminism is biblical. I believe it's dangerous, insidious. Um, it undermines God's pattern for the home. But in this article, the author expressed her disappointment with the feminist movement that she was a part of. And um, basically, she made the statement that they had been lied to. And again, ladies, we're not, we're not diminishing you by any means. I love my wife. I could not live without my wife. My wife supports me. She helps me. 
Man, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. But we're told, and this is a decision that you have to make. I'm not trying to understand this. But the greatest place you have is in line with the Word of God. You know, we've been told that, that ladies, you know that you're created differently than men, right? You know, you may not be able to power lift a, a, a car. You ever watch those strongest men competitions? That's crazy stuff, man. You know, dragging a semi-truck up a hill? That's wild. You know, ladies, you're not created like men. Men, thank the Lord, we're not created like ladies. We're distinctly different. God, God, Eve was Adam's absolute completer. They were, in other words, Adam couldn't live without her. You can't live without your wives, husbands. You can try, but you'll be miserable. You know? But we've been taught, we've been brainwashed and manipulated by a pagan society that in order to, to be successful, that, that you have to have careers, that you have to do all these things, that you can do anything a man can do, and it's brought great competition to the home. Strife, turmoil, arguments, competing. And all we want to do is win an argument, right? It's dangerous. It's not God's plan. God's plan is for the husbands to lead the home. It's God's plan for the husbands to love their wives. It is God's plan for the husband to leave home and cleave to his wife. That's God's plan. And men, we will never we will never be the husbands God wants us to be, the husbands and fathers our wives and children need us to be, if we do not do these things. May the Lord help us. May God help us. Men, leave. Not now. Wait till we pray. Men, love. Men, Lead. That's the plan. That's God's plan. Imagine how sweet your home will be if you begin now to do the things that God has set forth for us to do. May the Lord give us the strength we need to live our lives for Him. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's all stand to our feet. In just a moment, the piano will play and we'll have a time of invitation. But maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? I know I've, I've talked specifically.